Welcome to the Fisher's Second Ward Podcast. This is a podcast to help members of the Fisher's Second Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get to know their neighbors in the ward. The ideas and thoughts that we share aren't necessarily a reflection of the official doctrines of the church. We just hope to strengthen our friendships and our faith by sharing our stories. Thanks for listening, and let me introduce you to a member of the ward. This is a... Um, we're back We're back on track. I don't know if that means anything, <laughs> but we have another episode coming out, and this time it is David Lowe. Welcome, David. Thank you. Excited <laughs> to be here. Um, I think this is a long time coming. You've probably asked me six or seven times to come on, and you... <laughs> You roped me in, so I'm here. Sweet. Yeah. So just uh, for the record, (laughs) I'm willing to bribe. I have... (laughs) If we record these on Sundays, I have chocolate cakes. I'm willing to share chocolate cakes. But uh, no, I appreciate you you doing this. Um, I have said I will continue to say that I benefit a lot from this just personally because I get to know people in the ward that I may have known for a long time. So we go way back. (laughs) Way back as long as I've lived here. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Which is 20... A, 2019 is when we joined the ward. Okay. So, yeah. So four-ish years? Yeah, about nice. four years. A couple of those being COVID. Yep. Nice. So where'd you guys move from? So we we moved into this ward. We were first in the Fisher's First Ward. We moved to Indiana in 2018. Um, at, we lived in an apartment complex near uh, Lantern Road Elementary. Okay. And... Yeah, we, we lived there for a year while we were looking for a house and then found a house here in this ward, moved in in 2019 um, here. We've loved it. Before we lived um, in Indiana, we came from Utah. Okay. So... Um, is that where you were you're living or was that school or... That was school. Okay. So I was, I was a student at Brigham Young University. I was finishing up my master's degree. So I had done my bachelor's and master's in statistics. Okay. Um, and I was looking for a job. You may know the Canards. That's a fairly common name in this oh, area. That but... sounds so familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Braden Canard was the year above me in the master's program at BYU for statistics. Okay. And so I had met him. He had been my TA for some of the classes that I had done in my master's degree. And I ended up just reaching out and, and talking through kind of what he was doing. He was working at Eli Lilly at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and I learned about the job. I learned about Indiana. We learned about fishers and we thought, oh, this might be a fun adventure for our family. Um, it was also a job. And at that point I was just looking for a job. Yes. Super important. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we ended up, um, deciding that this would be a good chance. My wife was working as a teacher in Utah at that time. She had already finished her bachelor's degree. Okay. She was pregnant with our first Madeline, um, when we made the choice to come out here. Um, and then I graduated in, in April of that year of 2018. We had our, Madeline was born May 9th. So soon after that. And then we moved out here in July. So nice. Lots of big changes, but it was a really good transition. We're very happy to have ended up in, in Fishers. In a great neighborhood. Yeah, we are. It's a little we bit are. more established. It's not uh, new construction. Yep. Um, but yep. it's just, it's, well, and it's close to where I live too, so that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, about four minutes away. It's nice. Yep. That is great. So before Utah, where are you from? So um, 
I grew up, I was born in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, in a town called Vienna. My okay. dad was a, a government contractor. Um, he he was a CFO for a government contracting company uh, that did security for ports. Um, so lived in D.C. They had been in D.C. for 30 years, um, or not when I was I was born, but my dad grew up there. My grandparents were out there. We grew up there um, until I was 16, and then we moved to Utah. Um, it was in 2008, so it was the economic recession. So you can do the math there, too. And <laughs> Yeah. My dad had not lost his job, but he chose to leave his job, uh, uh, which was kind of interesting um, for no job out in Utah. That was interesting. That was a... He didn't know what he was going to do, um, but he, we decided, well, he decided that we were, we were going to move. And, uh, so my junior and senior year, I, I spent out in Utah, in Centerville, Utah. Okay. Yeah. Centerville, I, I've heard of that. And, um, is that, where is that? It's about 15 minutes north of Salt Lake. Okay. So Bountiful, Utah, it's just north of Bountiful, Utah, before you get to Layton or other places yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, Virginia versus Utah, any culture <laughs> shock at all? So it was funny cause growing up, we would visit Utah every year and my cousins are, they all lived within about 15 minutes of my grandparents, mm-hmm. some within about five seconds of my grandparents. Um, and I had this opinion of Utah that was not all positive, mm-hmm. Um, many of them were homeschooled and that was not the problem. It was mostly that we just did not have similar interests. So when we'd come out there, I just felt like a fish out of water and yeah. that Utahns were weird. And this place was like, <laughs> there's some truth to that. Though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it was very, um, odd for me. And I had a lot of apprehension of moving there mm-hmm. because of my perception of, of what Utah was. Um, very different um, environment for sure. Yeah, we moved to Utah. We drove down the street that was to get to our house, which is about you know four or five minutes off the highway, and we passed four or five steak centers right. like on the way to to our house. And I asked my mom when we were moving there, like, which one of these is ours? And she's like, Oh, none of these are ours. Ours is closer <laughs> than these. So <laughs> it was just a completely different environment. But immediately I had, um, a friend group of, of kids who were really trying their hardest to be good kids, mm-hmm. um, and supported me in, in that effort too. And I felt like, I just felt so natural there for some reason Okay. When I first moved there, which was not what I was expecting. I was expecting to just feel again like fish out of water. Right. So it was a really good transition for me. Um, Virginia is also a very, or Northern Virginia is also a, a place where the the church was very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up being in a community where I had lots of friends who were members and lots of friends who were not members. Mm-hmm. But it was really not that difficult to be a member of the church in Virginia. Right. And it was still not difficult in Utah. Um, so that I bring this up because being a member of the church is a really big part of who I've always been. Right. <laughs> so that was an important kind of transition piece for me um, moving to Utah. But yeah, I, I, I really liked the transition. And um, my parents still to this day have kind of asked themselves, why did we move out to Utah? What was the point? And I 
truthfully believe part of it was for me. Okay. Um, to just have the experience that I did. Um, so, yeah. So how many siblings, what's your family dynamic? I am the last of eight kids. Okay. So I was the only one moving out with them at that time. Okay. Um, they had just sent their last, or their, my sister who was two years older than me to college. Um, so yeah, I, all of my siblings were born in, in Virginia. Um, and so it ranges from my oldest brother, who's about 14 years older than me down to me. I have five sisters and two brothers. Both of my brothers are well older than me. So I generally grew up with, with just sisters. Okay. Um, so yeah, that makes for an interesting dynamic as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've got Somar scenes, the oldest of seven and, uh, (laughs) there's one boy. (laughs) Yeah. So she's uh, at least had that kind of experience. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you were interested in, in doing, um, activities, work, things like that while you're in high school? Um, so in high school I dabbled with playing football. I loved playing pickup football. Mm. Um, like tackle football with my friends, but turns out that did not translate that well to, to organized football. So I didn't do very, very well there. Um, I played for a couple of years, didn't really enjoy that much. When I was in Utah, um, I had a friend get me involved in wrestling and that turned out to actually be a really good thing for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I did wrestling. I've always enjoyed music. Um, I'm not particularly, great at producing my own music or playing music on, on any instrument. I play the guitar, but, um, always been in, in very, um, interested in listening to and, uh, and going to concerts and, and doing other things around music. My parents are very musically gifted. My family is very musically and artistically gifted. Um, so I'm kind of the oddball ball cause I enjoyed <laughs> sports. Um, but yeah, I, I, I played a lot of sports. I played baseball and basketball and, and, um, not on the high school team, but, um, for recreation and, um, what else? I think sports were the main thing. Music was another big thing. Um, I enjoyed being outside. Um, I loved going to the beach in Virginia. That was a really big part of my childhood. Okay. Yeah. Um, and going out to the mountains and, um, which we call the mountains there. They're rolling hills compared to Utah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I just enjoy nature. I enjoy physical activity. Enjoyed. I have not been very physical recently. Um, <laughs> Family sometimes can uh, yeah. have that kind of impact. But otherwise, yeah, uh, I think a lot of those interests are still the same as before. And school was always an important part. I, I wouldn't say I was, I enjoyed school, Mm -hmm. but I performed in school, uh, enjoyed certain subjects and ended up really enjoying math. And so I ended up doing statistics. Okay. Um, So what are some of your, if you, if there were a concert coming to town that you just had to go to, what are some of the groups that you would go Mm -hmm. see? So today the groups that I really like are kind of in the folk bluegrass space. Okay. Uh, Chris Thiele is, is an artist that I've really enjoyed. Um, I'm actually, it depends on when this comes out, but, um, shout out to, um, Brian Silverman. We're actually going to go to a Dave Matthews band concert, nice. um, in, in about a month. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, this will be out before the concert. Probably not. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be in June. So yeah, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, I've gone through different phases. I missed my sister's um, wedding dinner when I was 17 to go to a Jack Johnson concert. She has now let me do, live that down. But And, and priorities. Sometimes. Priorities. <laughs> I thought my priorities were pretty good at the time, though. So Well, yeah. <laughs> I, and it depends on the sister. I've yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> no, she's very forgiving of me. She just gives me a hard time because, yeah, I, thinking back, probably shouldn't have chosen a concert over my sister. <laughs> but how great is it that you have parents, that you've got family that that lets you make a decision that yeah. you can then maybe regret? <laughs> exactly. And, and just yep. learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. there are probably, I would imagine that there are other things in your life that you think, hmm, there's that concert. <laughs> <laughs> that I went to instead of the wedding dinner. Yeah, there there have been a lot of those moments in my life. I, I can definitely look back at a lot of that was probably not the best choice <laughs> for my future, but it's okay. that's okay. So mission, yeah, you serve a mission. I did. Um, I went to one year at BYU after high school, um, and then I got called to go to Oaxaca, Mexico. Okay, um, which was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I served from 2011 to 2013 and had to learn Spanish and had to learn a, just a different culture. Um, it was a very different culture than I was used to for sure. Um, and very different mission than I expected as well. Okay. What made it different? Um, so my expectation of a mission, my, my brother, my oldest brother had served in Switzerland. My dad served in France. My, another brother served in, in Denver. And the way they talked about their mission was very, um, honestly, extremely spiritual. Okay. And very, um, very obedient missions. And um, it, was, it was really a mission to help them see the power of obedience, mm. um, which I think is generally speaking what most missionaries get out of their mission. That's a lot of what my experience was. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was interesting. I was in the MTC and my brother-in-law who served in Monterey, Mexico, mm -hmm. um, sent me an email about two or three weeks before I went into the field. And he said, Hey, I know I'm really excited for you going to Mexico. Um, and he said, I, I don't know how your experience will be, but mine was not what I expected. Um, he said, my mission was a lot more challenging in terms of disobedience than I was expecting. Hmm. Um, in that my companions, many of them just had no regard for the rules, had no regard for even being like a member of the church. Hmm. And so it was really challenging for him. And I was... That freaked me out a little bit. Yeah. But it was very good because at a, upon arrival, I realized that that was probably going to be a situation that I would find myself in multiple times. Um, so I won't get into any details of that, but there was definitely um, a lot of learning to to work with missionaries and work with people who... I expected to be my companion and teammate in, mm -hmm. in sharing the gospel, but 
but being able to learn empathy and patience and love for people who didn't necessarily want to be there was a, was a really big part of my mission. And so I say that when I tell people about my mission experiences, most of the time they think, wow, that sounds like the worst mission ever. Mm. But I, I feel like it was perfect for what I needed. Right. And was very, very influential for what I would become for the rest of my life. So that, that for me, it was the right thing. Right. Um, it was just not always pretty, <laughs> as 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 you'd think. But well, I think that's true for a lot of us in our missions. That yeah. that there are moments of hard and moments of um, not pretty. Yeah. But but looking back, it um, really can be the foundation. Yep. For, for something that makes a difference. What are some some times or some experiences that you've had since your mission that you've realized, okay, this, um, I was prepared for this because of my mission? Um, so, what are the, that's a good question. I feel that partially that has been influential in helping me have personal moments of repentance and personal moments of grace okay of really putting myself in the shoes of saying yeah you aren't expected to be um, um, perfect or or um, without sin and so it's helped me kind of gather myself in a lot of ways mm. um, and repent and choose um, choose to follow Christ. Um, in other ways, it's, it's helped me develop empathy and, and, and patience for others who have not chosen the same path that I have chosen. Okay. Um, there have been multiple times when I've had friends who have, have chosen very different paths or, um, in various callings, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with people and it's, a lot easier to to work with people who um, don't share the same belief when you can see them closer to what the Savior is. I don't profess mm -hmm. to know what, how he sees us because I'm um, definitely not at that level. But it's been really helpful for me to to see them for what they will become and for what right. they will um, accomplish in future. Because I saw a lot of my companions who... Um, we'd start off as companions and I'd think, holy cow, this is, this is going to be rough. Like they don't want to be members of the church, let alone missionaries mm. teaching the gospel. And I would see over time them use the atonement and change and become better missionaries. And I thought like, man, I'm so glad that they took the opportunity and we just took time to say, let's not, nail down what we should be, but let's just t take time to, to experience what the savior wants us to experience. You're here on a mission. Mm -hmm. You get time to read the scriptures. You get time to hear the gospel. You get time to share the gospel. And in all that time, it, it made a big difference in their lives. And I think for all of us, time proves out to be the biggest teacher and it proves out to be the yeah. biggest time for, or biggest influence to us choosing to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think having that, uh, that experience, um, it sounds like not only have you been able to apply that in your interactions with other people, but also in your relationship with yourself. Yeah. That, uh, 
give yourself a little bit of credit for effort and attempt and yeah not not expecting perfection out of yourself all the time yeah still something i work with all the time um (laughs) i think we all do but yeah it's it's that that has helped me in reflection a lot that's cool yeah so you come home from your mission and then did you know your wife before your mission I did not know, and so you're one of those stories. No, yeah, <laughs> one of those stories. We, I actually um, hadn't really dated anyone before before my mission. I, I was, um, I was a pretty boring guy. Okay. In in reality, <laughs> I was I was um, not really interested in girls because I knew it would go nowhere because I wanted to go on a mission. Okay, and after my mission, I had no interest in dating girls. Unless I was like, yeah, you could potentially be my wife in the okay. future. Did you have a checklist or something like that? or what? How, what was no, your... I didn't have like a formal checklist. I just felt like there were certain people who um, loved the fun of dating alone, which okay. I look back, looking back, I was, again, not a fun person um, in, <laughs> well, in high school or college in a lot of ways. How yeah, could you be? I, but... was, I was studying statistics. So, yeah, <laughs> good call. Um so I, I dated a few girls after my mission that I thought would be great, but in retrospect, I thought, man, I was pretty short-sighted in what, what I thought was the right thing. Mm-hmm. I met Kaylee um, in my senior year, essentially, of, of college. I was about to start my, my master's, which would be just another two years on top of that at BYU mm-hmm. um, in our ward. I had just gone through a breakup when she met me and she thought I was, uh, in, to use her words, maybe she doesn't want me to use this, <laughs> to use her words, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it. She thought I was a tool. Um, <laughs> so, she, so she can get mad at me for that. But anyways, she, she thought I was a tool because I think I was pretty surly. I wasn't a very nice, um, well, I was going through a, a breakup for someone that I thought I was going to move forward with. Okay. Um, and... So I was, I think, the ward clerk. And so she interacted with me quite a bit, but thought I was just not, I was too cool for school. Um, so then um, I got over the breakup, whatever, and ended up being called late that semester. That was um, fall semester. Late that semester, we got called for the next semester to be um, co-chairs of the Sunday school together. Okay. Um and I was actually secretly very excited because I um, was pretty interested in her secretly. Uh, she didn't know that at the time, but I um, set up time for us during Christmas break to talk about our calling because the week you get back, you got to teach Sunday school. Someone's <laughs> got to teach Sunday school. So I figured we should sense. probably have something uh, prepared. And um, so we had a conversation and she was just stone cold, like had no interest in having any conversation <laughs> with me. Um, so I came back from break thinking, okay, maybe this isn't going to be that much. It's, it's not something that I should pursue. Um, and then eventually I just, I guess, wore her down uh, that semester. And pretty soon after we we started dating mm-hmm. and... Then we dated for about um, a year before we were married. 
Um, I'm leaving out some details in the middle of there um, that I'm trying to live down more. I was not the best <laughs> boyfriend. I'll say that. Um, That's probably yeah. good to leave those we'll, out. We'll pair that out. Um, but yeah, we got married in March of 2017. Um, and yeah, what I was looking for turned out to be her. She, she is an incredible woman. She is, um, patient and kind and, um, at the same time, very confident in wanting to make me better, mm -hmm. uh, be better. And th the same goes uh, the other way around. Um, so she's, she, um, Yeah, how do I describe? She's so confident in um, her testimony and her desire to live the gospel mm -hmm. and her desire to be um, a wife and a mother that would do the same thing, that would, would raise her kids in that way. And so I I quickly saw that in her and was, was really excited that she expressed any interest in me because there wasn't much to be interested in, but... <laughs> Yeah. That's always fun when to know that there's somebody who likes you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> so I'm curious because um just because I'm curious. How did you know? How did you know she was the one? So that's so this is probably where the story gets not great. So well I I, I won't say not great. I initially did not know at all. Mm. And I was actually pretty confident that we should break up. And so I told her that and she was like, well, I said, we should take a break. And she was like, you can either take a break and dump me and we're done forever or we stay together. And so I was like, okay, well, so we should stay together. <laughs> but, um, soon after that she expected a proposal and I was still not totally sure. I had just started a master's program that I felt like was kicking my butt and I was not feeling confident that I could plan a wedding and, and do that at the same time. Um, and I didn't ever receive an answer. Hmm. Um, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I didn't receive an answer while we were dating to ever move forward. Um, I had prayed, I'd fasted, I'd gone to the temple, I'd, I'd gotten advice from many people and just really wanted to know, like, this is a pretty big choice. I want to make sure I'm making the right one. Um, and it wasn't until I purchased a ring and held it in my hand it was it was the moment when I was driving home from the ring, uh, from the jeweler, with the ring in hand, and I saw the ring. And I thought, this is the right choice. I need to pursue this. Hmm. Um, so it took me taking a step in that direction. A couple steps, it sounds like. Yeah, um, and a financial commitment that I was feeling at the time. Um, to to feel right about, about making that choice. Mm -hmm. So. And then from there, it was, it was easy. I mean, um, that's the moment I knew. And then the proposal was a nightmare, but it happened. <laughs> and yeah, um, um, we got married in, I, I proposed um, right before Christmas. We got married in March. Um, yeah. So a few months. Yeah. Nice. So, and that was in, um, 2017. Yep. Okay. And then Madeline was born in 2018. So it was pretty fast after that. Yep. How many kids? 
we've got two kids. We've got a five-year-old girl, Madeline. Well, turning five this week. And then we've got a um, one-and-a-half-year-old in Oliver. And we are expecting our third in October. So, yeah. Outnumbered. Yep, we're finally going to be in zone, zone <laughs> coverage. So so, yeah. uh, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, they're they're wonderful little kids. Uh, Madeline is just the sweetest little girl. Loves to imagine is uh-huh. either a tiger or some other large cat. Yes. For like I would say eighty percent of her day, um, and expects us to be as well. Of course. Whenever we see her. <laughs> um, so she's a lot of fun. She's just got a huge imagination and a huge heart, and loves to be around friends and. And include them and, and love them. Um, and then Oliver is our little one. He is a rambunctious kid, full of energy, loves to... Um, we're teaching him to let his energy out in better ways uh-huh. than biting and hitting and other things. <laughs> but he's also well, just a, a big snuggler, lover, loves to, to be around other kids as well. And um, he's got a really big heart. Loves his mom Good. for sure. Yeah, that's fun. It's we had one that um, was half cat and half human, <laughs> and so we did feed him on the floor and yeah. out of a bowl. And we haven't gotten to that stage yet. Maybe that's something to look forward to. <laughs> I'll drop some hints. I'll have a little yeah. chat with her. Yeah, give her some ideas on how she can take this cat to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you're with Eli Lilly, or that's what brought you out here. You're still with him. I am not. So I worked for. Lily for the first three and a half years of my career. And then in the pandemic, um, I felt the desire to look for the next step in my career. Um, and I took a job that's fully remote with Indeed, uh, okay. the online recruiting company, um, as a data scientist. Um, and I'm managing a small team there. Um, so I've been there since April 2021. All right. So about a year now. Um, and yeah, really enjoying it. Yeah. It's weird to work in the tech industry when you've been in the behemoth pharma industry. Yeah, I bet. But it's it's so hundred percent remote. How is that with um two kids at home and <laughs> a pregnant wife? Um, you know, we've gotten used to it because we had the pandemic to practice. Mm-hmm. Um I do have my own office that now has a lock on the door. That was a challenge before. There were a lot of I bet. run-ins with our potty training daughter needing me to wipe her bum and stuff like that right. in the middle of, you know, a meeting. But so that's improved. We make it work. Honestly, my schedule's pretty busy while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really interact that much while I'm at home working. And the kids are pretty respectful for the most part. So it's worked out. Um it is a little bit weird mm-hmm. to disconnect home and work. Yeah. Um but it's become more and more natural as we've done it for longer. So, yeah. Are there things I, I think about now, my, my job, I'm in the operation, so I'm, mm-hmm. you have to be there. Office, yeah. so a big part of that. So, um, are there things that you do, um, to either wind down after the day, which I get to do that on my commute home or, um, just to get up and around or interact with people or develop relationships with people that you work with? What are some of the things that you do to yeah. navigate that? And that's a tricky part that I don't know that I figured out perfectly. The 
decompression piece doesn't really happen. I generally come downstairs. And our routine right now is that I am, I just come downstairs and start helping with dinner or whatever else we're going to be doing. Um, and then spend the rest of the evening playing with kids. But there's not really a gap between the two. So I wouldn't say I have a ton of decompression besides uh, a few small chats or like sentences that my wife and I are able to share before our kids demand our attention. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the case for for decompression. Um, sorry, you'll have to remind me of the other piece that you were asking. Anything about. else? Anything else that that because um, I think about in other positions that I've been in, e- even when I've had more of a um, a primary, primarily office responsibility. I would get up, um, mm, you know, there are mm-hmm. trips to the water cooler, or trips to the break room, or trips to the bathroom, or um, interacting with with coworkers, either directly on my team. What is? <laughs> do you have anything like that, or are you pretty much stuck in your office from? Oh, I am pretty much stuck in my office from from start to finish, which has not oh. been great for my health. But <laughs> right. um, that is that is largely what I do. I try to keep social interactions with my coworkers, mm-hmm. um, but it all happens through Zoom, right? Because we're all remote. Um, I've made a few trips out to Austin to really get to know my coworkers a little bit better. But yeah, it's it. That's still a challenge that I have not one hundred percent figured out. So I am trying to build into my schedule more. Um, time where I can be comfortable leaving. Mm-hmm. For the first year of my job here, it's been very, I haven't necessarily felt comfortable keeping my own schedule mm-hmm. because I'm already working in a different time zone as most of them. And so right. it's a little bit um, challenging, but I'm becoming more comfortable now. And so, yeah, if you have good good tips, I'm all for... Uh, are, is everybody else in Austin it. or are they all over the place? Many of my team are in Austin. Okay. There are some remote, but many of my team are in Austin. Yeah. So they do interact in the office far more than I would. Yeah. Yeah. I've had remote uh, teams that I've worked with before, and there, yeah, there are some challenges. There are some advantages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But Luckily, my manager is also remote, uh-huh. but the team that I manage, they're all, well, for the most part in Austin. And many of the people they work with are in Austin. So they are able to interact quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of do it from the periphery, but yeah. 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 Very good. So um, since you've graduated with your master's mm-hmm. and you're doing statistics with Indeed, um, what does your church service look like? I know that we've served a little bit mm-hmm. together, and um, I got out when I had a chance. <laughs> Yeah, somehow I didn't get. Yeah, so um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> um, I'll be honest with you. So interestingly enough, I have been either a ward clerk or in the elders quorum presidency since coming back from my mission. Wow. I had a brief stint where I was a um, primary teacher with my wife mm-hmm. for probably probably like four or five months and then I was calling to a uh, a clerk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So yeah, so that has been the majority of my church service since mission, uh, since being a mission, being a missionary. And um, 
I so currently I am in the Elder Scroll presidency and love the calling. I mm-hmm. most love that I get to work with the elders in our ward who are struggling with many of the same things that I am. Mm-hmm. Largely being how do I connect with people with really busy lives when I have a busy life right. and be able to be a ministering influence on them. Can I actually share the gospel or share anything of value when I feel like, you know, I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth. So right. that's, that's been a lot of my church service um, is just honestly working with the men in the ward mm-hmm. um, on how we can become better ministers. And you've been a big influence on that for sure. Um, we were called into the Elders Quorum Presidency right before COVID. It was like 2019, yeah, wasn't it? it was. Like late 2019, we got called. And that was a challenge in and of itself, trying to figure out how to do COVID and ministering and all that other stuff. But yeah. then you were released. There was a new president put in. Yeah. I got a call from the, the stake high council, and, and he said, we are releasing you from being a first counselor, and we'd like to call you as being the first counselor. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that that was kind of a fun, uh, yeah, just dynamic that I am now transcending both both quorum presidencies. Um, but yeah, mostly I think the Lord just really wants me to learn something that I really have not learned yet. Obviously. Um, <laughs> well, if I knew what it was, I'd tell you so that I could, yeah. <laughs> I could help you shortcut that. You might know. You're just being. Well, kind of not so you, but, when we yeah. went to this this um, uh, new elders quorum model with the high priest quorum being mm-hmm. just those that are actively using the um, in high priest callings, yep. meaning bishopric, stake, presidency, high council. That's your high priest quorum in a in a stake. Um, it was shortly after that that, and I don't remember who the quorum president was at the time, but that's when Jeff French was called, mm-hmm. and I was. A counselor, you were a counselor, and what a and I just <laughs> so I don't know if this is going to come out the right way, but but so you, Jeff is is well experienced in the church, a lot of different callings, high priest. He's older than I am, just for the record. And then there's me, and then so you're the token young guy. <laughs> yeah, had to have one, yeah. which is not the that's I'm sure that's not the reason for the calling, but then um, <laughs> when I got the the uh, the conversation with the high counselor that I was being released and that was it. There was nothing new and there's always some thoughts and I thought, okay, well, good, good for them. <laughs> they don't have to deal with me anymore. And Silas is the new president and, and uh, it was you and was Braden called at that time or was Braden it? Brown? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I thought, man, what a, what a solid presidency. And I understand why Silas doesn't want me <laughs> in, the, in with you guys, but um, I don't think it was by merit that I stayed. I think it was by, <laughs> I don't know, some sort of purgatory that I still need to learn something before I can, <laughs> you know, move on this. But yeah, sorry, continue. But I will say, okay, so here's um, my my side of that. Just before I was called into the presidency, I had, within weeks before, I had been called as the elders quorum instructor. Mm-hmm. And I taught one time. Uh-huh. And then I was released essentially because I was called into the presidency. And I remember that first presidency meeting where Jeff said, we need to come up with a new, uh, 
Elders Club instructor, and I was so frustrated. <laughs> we had one who was just happy where he was, and yeah. So um, I got I am thrilled to be back in that calling again, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, but I I agree with you that having the interaction that we get to have, or that we got I got yeah. to have, as um, a quorum. It's such a great experience, and we have, um, I think we need that. I think the men in the church need to have association with other men in the church, and we've, we're not always good at that. We have, um, the Relief Society program had the enrichment mm-hmm. program, and I think that, that there's a, an opportunity, there's a need for men to associate with other men. And um, I have in the past had what I called men enrichment, where mm-hmm. we would just go hang out. We'd go bowling or we'd go to Top Golf or whatever. We never went to Top Golf, but that's the type of thing that yeah. we would do. But I think you're right that that having that interaction with other men and because we're struggling, we're all struggling in different ways with yeah. different things. And being uh, able to be uh, a part of that is just uh, a great blessing. And so... It is. Um, we have, I'll say from my perspective, that we have a great Elders Quorum presidency. I just, I love what I see that you guys are doing. Well, I appreciate that. I don't, I don't, um, I think we have an incredible quorum. And um, for those that, I, I think you may have mentioned this before, Ken was quickly called back to be a teacher um, <laughs> as soon as he was released from the presidency. So he is our, it wasn't, our instructor now. It wasn't that quick. It was it was months. Was it? It was. And um, quick for Elders Quorum. But well, <laughs> so the the story. So I went to I went to Silas. I I am Silas's ministering brother, yeah. and I went to him and I said, and this is the day that he was called, and I went to him and. As much as you can threaten somebody who now has stewardship over you, I said, don't you dare change my ministering assignment. And Anna was with him, and she said, oh, I'm no, he's not, he's not going to change it. <laughs> so that was great, and, but I didn't, and I would have loved to get back into teaching the quorum, and it, it, was, it was months. And I found out later that there was some, I guess, some hesitation because of... Mm. Um, this was before we became the, the new stake, but I was a, a stake ASL interpreter. I was coordinating the ASL efforts, and and there's always some caution. Do we we don't want to step on the stake's toes? The stake doesn't want to step on the ward's toes, but the stake doesn't care that much, and so they'll just step and then mm-hmm. ask for forgiveness. <laughs> and uh, so it was. It seemed like it was several months. Um, Silas told me later that he said your name has been had been submitted for a long time, and we we're just mm. waiting for the for the approval. So I'm thrilled to be back. I'm I love it. I think it's uh, and I have said this about many of my recent callings, but it, uh, teaching elders quorum is about the best calling I can imagine having. And you're great at it. Uh, you and Harrison Custer, the other instructor, I think the quorum, even people who don't participate that much, enjoy the lessons quite a bit. We have and we have such great participation. It's so it's yeah, I love it. Yeah. So. Um, not to make this about me anymore, but <laughs> we can make it about you. It's worth making it about you. So, yeah. um, the final question that I have is, well, two questions. I'm going to ask one question that you may or may not have an answer to. But what is, uh, what else does the ward need to know about David Lowe? Mm. 
Aside from the fact that you're not very fun, I'm not you're very a statistician. Fun. Pretty boring guy. <laughs> I like math. Um, no. Um, what do they need to know about me? Um, I, I guess one thing to know is I am, I am an introvert extrovert. I'm right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that means that I really enjoy social interaction, but I don't seek it out myself most of the time. And so if you have ever been feeling like I should reach out to you more than I do, that's probably the reason, but I definitely am, am, um, very much, um, enjoy and thrive off of the the incredible people that are in this area fisher's second ward is a big part of that um fisher's as a, as a city that we live in has, has been great um i i deeply care about um the gospel and i deeply care about my family um, and I hope everyone knows that I'm figuring it out. And that's the, when I say I deeply care about the gospel, it does not mean I feel like I live it well, or I'm, I am a great, um, steward of the savior. I deal with a lot of those self doubt issues, but I, at the same time, um, deeply care that, the Savior continues to work on me and everyone around uh, me. So that's what I hope for myself and for my family and for everyone. Um, and whatever I I can do to help myself or others with that journey, I, that's what I'd like to focus my time on. Um, so that's a really maybe not... Again, boring. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that it's boring. I think it, it kind of leads into, uh, at least on, in the same uh, arena of the, the last question that I have for you, and that is, what is something, if you can think of a moment or an experience that you've had that has really shaped who you've become? Yeah. Um a really good question and I have a lot of moments that are that are important to me so narrowing it down to one um, a kind of a special experience that's more recent more recent being in the last six seven years um, I this is somewhat personal but when we were getting sealed um, I remember that day being extremely special for a lot of reasons, but I remember going into, um, the ceiling room and seeing my family in there and my wife's family in there and, um, just this massive gathering of people. Um, we put, chose the Payson Temple because it had the largest ceiling room because I have eight. I mean, it's a beautiful temple. Yeah, it's a beautiful temple. 
Um, I have several siblings and huge family on both sides and my wife as well. And in that moment of seeing them all there dressed in white, um, really happy to see us. And we were so happy to see them. I just, that was a moment where I, I realized what the plan of salvation was turning us into and what it was doing for us. Um, it was focusing our efforts on, on our family and in bringing people to Jesus Christ and to our heavenly father. And that was a really, um, important moment for me to have a testimony of what I would be doing as a father and as a husband and serving in whatever calling I would be is that is what we want for everyone. Mm -hmm. We want the extreme joy. I, I was at that moment overwhelmed. Like I, it was embarrassingly that I couldn't pull myself together for, for a little bit of time because I was overwhelmed with the amount of love that I felt for everyone else and the amount of love that I knew our heavenly father and our savior had for us. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of shaped what I want to feel on a regular basis. And I want, what I want other people to feel on a regular basis is that they are extremely loved mm -hmm. and that that love is, is consistent and it is constantly working upon us to, to make us, um, into what we can ultimately become. So, yeah, I guess that's a recent experience that has, has kind of driven who I want to become in the future. I, I want that. that. I love, and I love the idea that the way you framed it is that this is what the plan of salvation is leading us to. It's not the end result. It's not the beginning, but it's, we're in the middle of it. And this is, this is the direction we're going. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So thanks for, not avoiding me for a seventh or eighth time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I did that. No, I'm yeah. just giving you a hard time. No, no, I appreciate uh, you spending a few minutes and have. Um, I've absolutely loved getting to know you a little bit better, and and uh, I'm excited to um, let the the ward get to see a little bit more about David Love. Mm -hmm. Thanks well, for I listening. appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll uh, talk to somebody else soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fisher Second Ward Podcast please share it with members of the ward or others who you think might be interested or might be enriched and blessed by listening to our stories. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.